welcome back to another episode of the Digital Discussions Unfiltered podcast and another fabulous guest episode today. In this episode, I talk to the lovely Holly Landis, a Brit who now lives over in the US but knows all the things about SEO. She's worked in-house, she's worked in agencies, and now she freelances helping other businesses get seen using SEO. Because as we all know, it's super important, but I know some of us still get a little bit stuck on the things to do and not to do when it comes to optimising your website. During our chat, we cover things such as why working on your website in terms of optimising it rather than just constantly slogging away on social media is super, super important. We chat briefly about search intent and also Holly shares some really great ways to get started regardless of what type of business you're in for creating content that will help you get ranked by the likes of Google. So without further ado, here's our conversation. I hope you find it useful and don't forget to give it a review or a share on socials and tag me. I'm at Lorna Scully UK and until next time, enjoy this. Okay. Hi, Holly. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Um, I will warn you, I am currently stood in a bucket of water because, frankly, recording a podcast in pure silence means I'm not allowed a fan or the window open and it's 34 degrees outside. Oh my goodness. Well, at least if we know that if we hear any like water sloshing, you're not like on the beach somewhere, <laughs> which would be probably much more preferable. <laughs> I'll try and keep the sloshing to a minimum. <laughs> Um, so the lovely Holly is joining us all the way from over in the States. Um, and I just wanted to get Holly on. Holly actually approached me, which was lovely. And then kind of when I checked out your work, I saw how amazing you were. So to begin, as I do with every podcast, um, I like to give my guests a bit of a challenge to kind of explain who they are as a person in about 30 seconds. And the challenge is, if you go over the 30 seconds, all that I ask is that you make a small donation to the charity Mind. Do you think you're up for the challenge, Holly? Yes, I am. Ah, <laughs> she's been practicing. <laughs> I love the challenge, and I have been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay then, I've got my stopwatch. So, okay. ready? Yes. Go. Okay, so hello, I'm Holly. I'm from London. Um, Like Lorna said, I now live in the US. I'm about two hours from Washington, DC and Philadelphia. Um, I'm a digital marketer and copywriter. I specialize in on-page SEO and content, and I primarily work with small and creative businesses, helping them grow organically on channels that they own. Um, And when I'm not working, I'm usually buried in work. Um, I'm working on my master's degree right now, um, or I'm attempting to make progress on the novel that I've been brewing for about two years now. So that is me in a nutshell. Bloody Nora, she only went and did it. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) You've practiced so much, haven't you? (laughs) I was like, how short can I get this? (laughs) I mean, it was was milliseconds, so... Well done. But Thank you. you. Did. It was the right side. Of 
Amazing. So yeah, you're in the States. This is, I think that was kind of my big, biggest shock, especially when we talked, because I think we had a Zoom call and I was like, wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> you're not American. No, I'm huh? not. My husband is American, so I've been living here for about six years now. Ah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, it's fun. And it's you're an SEO whiz. I am. Well, I, I like to think that I am. I probably downplay my own skills quite often. But yeah, if we if we had to sum me up, that's probably the best one. Yeah, I think a lot of people do, don't they? Um, I think we're all kind of, we all do it. Um, yeah. But let's dive into how much yeah. of a whiz you are. So obviously today we wanted to kind of deep dive into SEO. So I did an episode, I can't remember what number it was now. Oh, rookie. Um about SEO and it was just kind of the fundamentals the the real basic basics of SEO so I think as you're the expert it would be quite cool to kind of just go a little bit deeper really so should we kind of start with why SEO is so important yeah absolutely so the number one thing that I tell my clients, anyone who's considering doing SEO, is that the big reason that SEO is important is that it's to do with everything that you own. So I know that there's a million different digital marketing channels out there. And the main one that small businesses typically go with is social media. And while that's great, the one thing that I would really caution people about when really investing pretty much everything into social media and not a lot else is that you are really at the mercy of those networks whether that be Facebook Instagram Twitter whatever it is that you're doing you don't own that you don't even really own your own content on those channels they do so the great thing about SEO is that it's all to do with your website and a platform that you own and have control over so kind of in a similar way to email marketing that's why a lot of people talk about you know building your email marketing list that's something that you own and your website's no exception to that so Doing your SEO is, you know, really crucial because it gives you that longevity of being able to be in control of everything, but also, you know, helps you keep appearing in search results for things, you know, outside of any outages that Instagram might have. I know, you know, we've all been there when Instagram or Facebook goes down and the whole world panics. Like the only thing that could really happen with your website is, you know, your hosting could go down and that's usually resolved a little bit quicker and easier than an entire social media network going down. So, you know, there's that kind of safety net there of having your own website website and something that you own yourself 100 percent. so I think three things that I would pick out of that is how funny is it that when Instagram goes down we all head to Twitter to find out what the hell's going on I, know, I feel like that's the only time that people outside of my <laughs> journalists I know um, on your PR episode you guys talked about Twitter a lot that's a place that a lot of journalists kind of congregate and get a lot of information there but outside of that I feel like no one really uses Twitter anymore other than for like memes and then trashing everyone on the planet so <laughs> and then when something else like Instagram goes down that's the only time that we ever use Twitter <laughs> just to go just to go and moan yeah pretty much um, and then also just to kind of reiterate and jump on the back of the it's a non-owned space and I think that's one thing that I think a lot of people kind of seem to forget because um you just mentioned the PR episode with uh Kelly we kind of covered really quickly about the fact that a lot of people are quite short-term thinkers and I think that's kind of the gap that social media kind of feels because it's quick and it gives you that instant you know gratification of those likes or whatever it is but I think it's almost because SEO is seen as this big thing it's just it's just knowing that it is a longer game it's not stuff that 
kind of changes anything overnight. You're not going to see the instant results. It just doesn't work like that. But it's very, very, very important that I think people understand that social, as you say, you're at the mercy of it. You don't, it's not an own space. You literally have no control. If Facebook woke up tomorrow and decided that they wanted to close your account, you've got no say in it. Yeah, and we've seen that over the last few weeks, you know, obviously not getting kind of too deep on the political side of things, but a lot of the, you know, black content creators are having their accounts censored by Instagram. And we've seen a lot of that with the anti-Semitic issues over the last couple of weeks. You know, a lot of these big creators, influencers, you know, their accounts are getting censored or not being censored when they should be. And so there's a lot of issues there with, you know, the kind of moral and ethical side of these platforms and who's actually calling the shots when it comes to a lot of these things and so that's the one great thing about your website is that you know for better or worse you can put out there whatever you want to put out and you have complete control over that and I think that's really important for people to remember and and in every sense of the word in terms of what you can and can't say what it looks like because there's certain things that you know yeah you can have a Facebook cover photo but you can't you're you're determined by the size of that box absolutely your website is literally you can make it look exactly what you want it to look like exactly and you you know if you're a product business you can sell whatever products you want without the kind of fear of being censored because it might be a slightly you know questionable industry or something that might be a little bit more controversial and you know with your own website you are free of all of those restrictions 100 100 scream it louder for the people in the back (laughs) Um, and I guess that kind of moves us on in terms of, I think like the whole longevity side of things. I think that's one thing that kind of puts people off when I've spoken to people, it's kind of, it's the fact that you're doing work right now, that you're probably not going to benefit from for six, nine, 12 months. Yeah. So in terms of, cause I think, you know, just before we start, we press record, uh, record, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we we both kind of agreed on the term search intent kind of giving people the heebie-jeebies yeah so do you think we could talk that through in terms of what it means and kind of how to get your head around it and why it's not as scary as it sounds yeah absolutely so the big thing with search intent is I really like to try and boil all this down to you know think about how you personally use something like google like I can't even remember what the statistic is now. There's something like hundreds of thousands of searches on Google every day, a brand new search queries that nobody has ever searched before. You know, they'll they'll definitely wow. something like that. But that exact phrasing, there's always something new being searched on Google every single day. And so that's also a really good reason why, you know, you should invest in SEO because you can start capitalizing on some of that because there's always going to be people out there looking for things that you do or sell. And, you know, someone might not have searched that exact phrase before, but one day they might. So that's just something to keep in mind as well. But when it comes to search intent, the the really good example I like to use is thinking about, you know, if you're buying a pair of red shoes. So this was something that I was doing last year. I was going to a friend's wedding and I really wanted a pair of red shoes. If you go into Google and just type in red shoes, oh my goodness, there are so many results that come up. I think it was something like 1.8 billion search results come up. From yeah, you're not going to look through them all, are Yeah, you? and like, <laughs> let's be real, nobody really goes past page one at this point. I think it's something like 75% of searches are only, like people only click on the first page of results. But when you type in red shoes, 
all different kinds of things come up. So I had like the maps come up with, you know, different local stores around where I live that I could buy shoes from. There's also a really random old film called Red Shoes that no one's ever heard of. And that comes up in the knowledge graph on the side, but that would be down the right side of the search results. And the, the whole point that I'm trying to get to with this is that Google doesn't really know what I'm looking for when I search for red shoes. It's like, well, we think you might be looking to buy red shoes, but we can't quite be sure. So we're going to show you a whole mishmash of results because hopefully in all of this mess you'll find what you're looking for now if you then you know like at the same time you can't as human beings we can't expect a computer to assume no exactly and so that's where getting really specific with searches comes in and why searcher intent is so important and so you know, I was looking to buy a pair of red shoes. So I went back to the first page of Google again and typed in red heels for a wedding because I was like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And hopefully from that, Google will understand exactly what I want. And so then when I search for that, there's still over a million search results, but significantly less than 1.8 billion search results. And so from there, the first few results were like my local department store. And it had even like on that page, it directed me straight to like bridesmaid shoes, like heels, like all those kinds of things. And so it was pulling out the different words from the search that I had done to direct me to what it thought was the most relevant result, which ended up being exactly what I was looking for. And I found a pair of shoes and it was all great. But that's really what search intent is, is that, you know, it's what exactly do you want at that moment in time? You know, red shoes could be I could be looking for information on red shoes. I could be looking to buy a pair of red shoes. I could have been looking for information on that film red shoes. And so there's, you know, this idea of the marketing funnel where you start, it's kind of like an upside down pyramid that, you know, you start very broad and you slot, like slowly start narrowing down into that transactional ready to buy stage as a customer. And so really what you're thinking about when you're talking about search intent is where is someone in that funnel? Are they just looking for information? Are they at the very, very beginning of their search process? Or are they, you know, all the way down the bottom of the funnel at that, I really want to give you my credit card information right now so that I can purchase the thing that I'm looking for. So when it comes to SEO, that's something to always be keeping in mind when you're looking at optimizing your content on your site. And we can get into that as well. But, you know, you have to think about your customers and your users. Where are they in the process and where does your business fit into that? Are you an informational based business? Are you more kind of the consulting side of things, if that's what you do? Or are you a product business where you might be selling them something and most of your customers are going to come down to that very bottom of the funnel and they're ready to buy from you? So that's just something to keep in mind all of the time is where does your business fit in on that customer journey? 100%. So I think kind of the thing that kind of came to mind there in terms of trying to explain in the simplest terms without it being overwhelming for me is very much along the lines of I'm going to stick with your red shoes, by the way, <laughs> um, is very much, you know, if you were looking for because you you just said, you know, what what was the what was the reason for it? Just typing in red shoes, you could be literally looking for anything. It could yeah. be to manufacture your own red shoes. Yeah. It could be, you know, a pair of red shoes that you've seen a celebrity wear. It could it literally could be anything. Yep. But in terms of business and talking about the funnel and all of that great stuff, um, thinking about kind of how that influences the content that you then produce because yeah. if somebody is at let's say a research or kind of an information point where they're just looking for a bit of inspiration 
on some red shoes that might or might not match their dress that they've already bought to go to their friend's wedding, then they're probably going to be looking for the likes of a blog post yeah, or something along that line. They're not always going to be. I think it's really important to clarify that you cannot expect somebody to find you, land on your website and just give you their money. Absolutely. Like how often does that happen like in your own life? Like I know I don't shop that way. Like so my husband and I are looking for a new sofa right now for our like his man cave area. And we, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like the number of times I've been on the IKEA website in the last month has been it's ridiculous. It's quite embarrassing really. And so but like I'm not ready to hand over that kind of money yet. You know, a sofa's a big investment for some people. And so, you know, we're like still in that very like informational stage figuring out what's going to look good, what's going to fit well in the space and you know that's a very different stage of the process to please take my money I'm ready to buy this thing right now 100% and I think but I think that's where especially small business owners I can understand why it can feel quite overwhelming because you kind of go well I just want people to buy my thing yeah but it's coming to real the realization that you can be a part of that process and helping them come to that conclusion by all of the other stuff that you do. So whether that is blogging or Pinterest, you know, so many people go to Pinterest for inspiration. If you're not on there and you're not displaying your red shoes, how the hell can you expect anybody to find you? Yeah, exactly. And like, that's a really great point that you bring up. You know, Pinterest, a lot of people still think as a social media tool. And I really think of Pinterest as another search engine because essentially that's what it is. And there, the algorithm, if you want to go onto the technical side of things, the algorithm that Pinterest is built on is much more similar to a Google type algorithm than a Facebook or Instagram type algorithm. And so, you know, that type of content is great for small business owners because you can really, especially if you're a product-based business, you don't necessarily have to just put your products on there and hope that someone finds it, you know, creating a blog post where for instance you know you could talk about different types of red shoes or like different outfits you could do like a curated type blog post that's like outfits that go great for red shoes this autumn and you know you could talk about all different kinds of styles of shoes that you don't even sell in your business but throw in the one that you do sell and you know you're including your you know the bit of your business that's really important that you want to make money from but you're also making it helpful for your users so that they have different options and it's not just sell 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 all the time and then you know pin a graphic at the bottom of that that you people can use on Pinterest and you can start getting traffic to your website that way and you know once you start adding in you know links to the product and things like that in the blog post you know you can really start to generate leads and sales from something like that absolutely I did um I did an episode I think it was episode number seven that was kind of an intro to Pinterest and you know if anybody that's listening has listened to that you'll know that I 100% agree with Holly in that it's not a social media channel. It, it just isn't. It's a visual search engine. So, you know, people are on Pinterest that are looking to purchase. So again, when we're talking about kind of search intent, you know, don't, it's not just Google. We're not just talking about Google, yeah. um, whether we like to think about it or not, you know, Google or the world and all that. <laughs> um, but, you know, there are still other search engines and it's all going to come down to, your demographic, your target audience, all of that amazing stuff that is going to kind of control which search engine you should be kind of focusing more attention on. But I guess in terms of starting to kind of optimize or what somebody can do away from the kind of getting into the kind of content marketing and all the other bits and bobs, 
if we kind of go back to SEO, yeah. what what can somebody, you know, we're talking real small businesses that don't have a lot of time on their hands. What would you say is like the top one or top two things that is going to have the biggest impact? So one huge mistake that I see a lot of small businesses making is in the titles of their pages on their website. A lot of times they'll have the same title on every single page and usually it's just like the name of the business or something along those lines. And that's a really, really great place to put in keywords that you think relate to your business. So, you know, doing good keyword research is a whole other thing. And I'm sure we could talk about that for a whole episode on its own. But, you know, (laughs) doing some basic research of, you know, what types of things do you think that your users are searching for and so one really quick way that you can do that is typing in you know a phrase that you think okay this is the business I have this is the kind of thing that I think people are going to look for to find a business like mine just go and type that into google and then scroll to the very bottom of the first page and there will usually be a kind of suggested alternative phrases and it's really you know other phrases like that that other people have searched for and so that's a really good place to find some other alternatives that are similar to what you think people are searching for that other people are actually searching for that are similar to that phrase so that's a really good place to start when it comes to keyword research and taking some of those things and putting them into the relevant pages on your website so for instance if you're a service-based business like mine so on my website I have in my title on my service page SEO consulting for small creative businesses so that's really telling someone straight away exactly what I do what my business is and what they can expect to find and so the reason that that's really important is because when you think about what a Google search result page looks like the title of that page is what is the big blue clickable link that you would be clicking on in those search results so if you have keywords in there that's immediately drawing the attention of the user to say hey this is exactly what I do and this is probably what you're looking for because you've searched something that my website has shown up for I'm guessing this is what you want and so if you have keywords like that in there rather than it just being the name of your business especially if you know like me I just work under my own name you know, Holly Landis doesn't really mean anything to anyone unless you already know who I am and know exactly what I do. But having that SEO consulting for small and creative businesses in the title of my services page, that immediately says what I do. And so it's much more likely that someone's going to be clicking on that if that's what they're looking for than just my business name. So that's a really great way that small businesses can just go, you know, go through your website, have um you know kind of a look and see exactly what you what you have already um and just you know go through those and add in some keywords and and see if that can help you know show up a little bit more yeah and I think as a listener to that just to point out because I don't think Holly that you've probably realized that you've done it but I think I covered this in a in a previous episode again I think it was number nine um Holly very much focused on the fact of writing your page titles for human beings, not for Google. So the focus in everything that Holly just said was very much about, you know, drawing the eye of the person that's searching and making sure that they know exactly what they're going to find when they land on that page. There was no reference whatsoever to pleasing Google, to trying to, beat the algorithm and all of that crap it was about the user yes and that's that so, so, so important. important 
Yeah, and that's actually in the Google Webmaster Guidelines. So Google has a ton of documentation about, you know, the do's and don'ts of things to do on their platform when you're trying to optimize for their platform, if you're using their products, all of that kind of thing. And that's actually something that they call out that is, you know, right for your user. Everything you should be doing should be for your user first, not for us. So, you know, that's just something you always want to keep in the back of your mind. I've seen really horrific examples of people throwing keywords into content all over the place and it just reads so bad. It genuinely, you know, those AI like funny Twitter things where like a robot will write like a like a Friends episode or something, and like (laughs) we've all seen those. They're hilarious. They make no sense. But I've genuinely seen people do things like that in their own content on their websites because they think if I throw a thousand keywords in here, Google's going to know exactly what I'm talking about, and I will show up for everything. That is terrible. Please, please don't do that. It's just such old school black hat isn't it it's just it's just and it's not it's not worth it it's gonna have more negative impact than than positive so exactly and that's the thing if you it's all well and good if you show up for those terms but there's so many there's something like 250 plus ranking factors that go into you know where you will appear in the search results on google's end of things and you know some of those things include like how long are people spending on your site are they looking at other pages on your website are they clicking through on the search result you know if you show up as number one for your desired keyword you know people are clicking through to that great cool you're number one thanks very much But if they click through and get to your website and it's just really spammy, full of useless information, has clearly been written for a search engine and not a person, what are they going to do? They're probably going to close the window or go back to the search results. And so those are the kind of things that Google looks for as well. If loads of people are going on your website, they're only there for about two seconds and then go back again. After a while, they're going to start to deprioritize you in the search results because they're assuming from that information, well, people clearly aren't finding the information they're looking for. So we're not going to serve them that result anymore because it's not benefiting the user. And ultimately, that's what Google's trying to do. Google's not trying to help you. They're trying to help the user. And so that's what they're looking for is, you know, are users finding the information they want as quickly and as efficiently as possible? And if your website doesn't serve that information, they're not going to boost you up the search results because you're not doing that. Yeah. And every single conversation, every guest that I've had on so far, and I'm pretty sure every guest that I'll have on after this, it's all coming back to the same thing. And if you listen to every single episode, it's all about the same things, all about the customer. It's not about you. It's not about the business. It's not about, it's always about the customer. And it's no different for SEO. Nope everything it always comes back to that everything you know that everyone uses this phrase people buy from people and it's so true this is why especially now with all the coronavirus things happening you're really seeing a resurgence of small businesses because people don't trust big corporations because you know various reasons but people really buy from people and that's why personal brands are really important and generally do much better because there's that human connection there and yes there are different things that you can do from the technical side of things to benefit your seo and you know help things along that way but ultimately everything comes back to you and your business connecting with another person oh my god couldn't have said it any better myself (laughs) it's just it's nuts isn't it um okay so we've done page titles what else would you say would be 
What else would you say that you come across that is fundamentally flawed 99% of the time? So another thing that people really don't make use of in the way that they should is image names. So before you go ahead and upload your images to your website, number one thing to do is instead of leaving, I know like my camera does this, it names it something like DS3C and then a bunch of numbers. That is not helpful to anyone, any place, at any time. So That makes terrible sense. Why yeah. doesn't that make sense to you? I know. And so the, a really great thing that you can do is when before you upload them to your website, just go through and rename your images something like somewhat descriptive of what the image is about. It doesn't have to be super long. It can be like five or six words. But, you know, it could be like red roses on a windowsill or whatever that is and so just do that before you upload them to your website and then once that's there you have those words in the back end of your website and google can pick up on that as well google goes through and crawls your entire website and that includes your images not just your content so your written content so you know things like that can show up in google image results and you can use that then on pinterest as well and so you know those kinds of things super super quick fixes that take you a couple of seconds to do you know presuming you don't have a thousand images that you're putting on your website which I would not recommend (laughs) but um but yeah so something like that is a really quick quick way of being able to get in a few keywords as well if that's something that you're looking to do amazing that is such a good tip because you know again think about how you as a human being when you're shop we all shop yeah so it's thinking about how we use a search engine I probably spend more time on images than I do on (laughs) normal search yeah, results absolutely people still really heavily use those image sections it's it is crazy actually when you start to think about it and it's such an underutilized area yeah, so absolutely. that is such a great tip such well, a great tip the other thing the other kind of flip side of that as well um that you can really think about when you're optimizing your images is for um users who may be using some kind of um compliance software that if they're differently yeah. abled that a lot of those softwares can you know read out descriptions of images if they're not able to see them and so that's something to keep in mind as well and why you should be going for those kind of more descriptive type names for your images because that can help keep your website in compliance with various kind of legal things i know over here in the states we have like ADA compliance i think it's the american disabilities act um, that that comes down to and so you know there's different things like that as well that can benefit your users and that can help you from an seo perspective too because you're helping them and if your website is optimized to benefit them and help them you know go through a website but other websites are not chances are they're going to stay on your website and keep coming back to you because they know that you are helping them to find the information that they need in a way that best serves them where other websites might not so you know going back to that google knows how long people are spending on your website and if they keep coming back to you and so then they'll put you higher up in search results so you know all of these different things really feed into each other and it's just about just as a human it's the right thing to do to make your content accessible exactly that's yeah it's such a good point and i think it's one of those things because it's not automatic or because it's not um well known i guess i guess it's just an education thing yeah that a lot of people don't do it 
Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, if you're not in a position like that yourself, it's really easy to forget about that kind of thing. And so the way that I like to tell my clients about this is, you know, think of your website as your shop. You know, if you had steps going up to your shop, chances are at some point you might put a ramp in or try and, you know, put a lift in or something to make it more accessible for people coming physically into your building. Well, think of your website exactly the same way. It's just not a physical presence. So, you know, try and do what you can to make your website as accessible to all different kinds of users as much as possible. Couldn't agree more. Um, of course, somebody has started just mowing their lawn right outside my window. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> honestly. Um, okay, so we've kind of gone uh, page titles, images. Um, anything else? I'm just thinking of, I'm trying to think of a third kind of most common one that people seem to forget. Yeah, so one thing that a lot of my clients come to me with is that they really, they know that content is really important for Google. That is like one huge thing. Google loves to see fresh content because they know then that you're updating your website frequently, you're on top of things, and that helps them to recognize that you are an authority in your area and that, you know, you're really on top of stuff. But one thing a lot of my clients hate doing is writing and they really don't want to blog or add any kind of additional content to their website. You know, if their services or products aren't changing that much, it can be really difficult to find places outside of a blog to make your content fresh and exciting. And so one- Hey, it's me. Yeah. (laughs) I know we were just talking about that. (laughs) I hate writing too. (laughs) And so many people do. And so the really kind of quick way around this that I like to suggest to my clients who are in that position and don't have the budget to outsource to a copywriter or don't want to outsource to a copywriter one really good way of doing this is doing case studies as blog posts so you know you can do this it's easier to do this if you're a service-based business but even with product-based businesses you know talk to your customers if you're a product-based business about you know how are they using your products you could even do some like interviews with them about how they're using your products in their lives that type of thing and that's a really good way it's it kind of serves a double purpose or even a triple purpose really is that you're getting new content on your site so that's great for seo great for google they love to see that it's great for your users because you know they're seeing new things from you and it's helping to build your brand but also it's a really great way of kind of showing off what you do it's kind of like an extended testimonial so you know you can talk about all the different kinds of things that you do you could interview clients you get their feedback you can talk about different things that you've worked on with them and it's really showcasing what exactly your business does any products you sell you know it's just a really great way of being able to promote yourself and then that's also giving you extra content if you are really big on social media you know wanting to share that type of thing that gives you something to point people towards you know instead of just saying all the time like here go check out my services page that hasn't really changed much in the last six months because I do the exact same thing that I did six months ago you know it's giving you you new content to promote to people and say like hey like you know if you're a website designer hey look at this really cool new website that I just worked on for so and so you can tag them on Instagram and they might share it to their audience and so you know there's so many different benefits to doing something like that but that's what I found is a really great way of getting that additional content onto your site without you having to invest a ton of time you know blog posts take a lot of time to research write all of those kinds of things but chances are it would be pretty easy for you to put together a case study if you've already done the work like you know you've got all of that information there right in front of you you can just write it up in a couple of paragraphs so you know it doesn't have to be really extensive doesn't have to be a 1000 word page you know 1000 word blog post or anything like that just a few paragraphs is fine you know you can include some visuals in there if that makes sense for your business so yeah something like that is is definitely an area that I'm not seeing a lot of people using that much and I think it's just such an underutilized opportunity 
can I just say and speak for myself and probably a few friends that I know are going <laughs> to listen to this that are in the service-based business, I feel seen. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Isn't it so hard as a service-based business when you're like, well, all these people have got really cool products to promote, but I really don't know how to talk about my service business when I literally do the same thing I did six months ago, a year ago. Like, this is what I do. This is my business. How do I keep selling that differently? <laughs> I don't. It's not even that, I don't think. It's the fact that, like, well, I mean... Building case studies pages has been on my Asana board for about six months. <laughs> I know. So, it's always there. You just never get around to doing it. <laughs> I'm probably going to have to get it finished before I publish this episode. <laughs> all I'm saying. Because right now I feel incredibly seen. <laughs> um, but from kind of a product-based business. So um, I know there's quite a few um, regular listeners that are in kind of the small handmade product-based business kind of space yeah um I don't think I'm, I'm not sure if they exist do you have the white company over in the states they aren't over here I don't think but there was one in my hometown that I was a frequent customer of oh. <laughs> um but actually kind of from a product-based business element that's one thing that I really love about the white company because they obviously you know Okay, let's let's take away the fact that we know that they've got a much bigger team and yeah. all of that kind of stuff and budgets and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of their blog, they're very much kind of gift guides, yeah, um, yeah. category roundups or kind of product like almost like features. So they'll pick yeah. one product and just talk about it. Yeah. So even from a product based business, because I think. From a service-based business, it's it's easy to, I feel like it's a little bit easier to kind of come up with content ideas because, you know, yeah. all of the great stuff that we all do on Instagram, Facebook and whatever else where we give six top tips for X, Y, Z, you can just turn that into a blog post. Absolutely. But from a product-based business, I can understand the frustration of not kind of having that many ideas. So. Yeah. Things like gift guides and roundups and things like that, that that still works, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thinking long-term with this, as we said, SEO is definitely very much like a long-term game. Like, it's you're not really going to start seeing changes to your organic traffic from SEO, that type of thing, for at least three to six months in most cases. It really does take a while. But, you know, as, as crazy as it is to say right now, given that it's the end of July you know, Christmas is coming up. Like those are the types of things to be thinking about ahead of time. If you're a product-based business, you know, what content can you be creating now that could get you ranking in time for Christmas and when people are actually looking for those things? But you know, it's not just Christmas. You have things like Mother's Day, Father's Day, like different things in the summer, birthdays, obviously all year long. So, you know, there's different things that you can do all throughout the year to showcase your product in different ways. And, you know, even like crazy holidays, like Halloween, I have a client who makes candles and she does um like halloween scents so she'll do like the spooky scents is like the the same thing that she does and so you know we already were talking about that a few months ago like how can she start getting on top of content for that and so she did a blog post about like using spooky scents candles in in, like small intimate weddings and having like a halloween like kind of goth wedding and like she did a really cool photo shoot and all of that kind of thing and so you know there's so many things that you can do you know thinking about those different types of content ideas where you can slot your products into those and what makes sense for them um you know think about how your products can be used by your customers in everyday life so that can be all different kinds of products whether that's like candles if you make clothes like anything you know different types of content can be pulled out of those you know normal everyday things of how your customers are using your products 
Agreed. And I love the idea of the Halloween goth wedding. I know. I just like I just want to redo my wedding. (laughs) That sounds so cool. Everything I love. Um so good. And I guess kind of I'm just conscious of time. Um I guess my last kind of question, because we've brought it up a couple of times now, is kind of the length of time that it takes to see results. Is there anything that anybody can do in order to speed it up? Or is it just kind of a, it is how it is what it is? It's very much mostly it is how it is, but there is one thing that can potentially help. I've seen mixed results with this, but more on the positive side. So one thing that you can do is that Google has a property called Google Webmaster Tools. So if you just search for that, you can set it all up with your website. It's super easy to do. It's free to use. And what you can do there is you essentially connect it with your website. So it pulls in all of that analytics information and everything there. There is a section in there called sitemaps. Now, if you have a sitemap that's called an XML sitemap. Now, most website systems will generate one for you. If you're using, you know, WordPress, Squarespace, anything like that, they will create that for you. You don't need to do that. And essentially what that is, is a technical sitemap that outlines the layout of all the pages on your website. So what you can do is you can grab that. Usually what the URL is, whatever your domain is, slash sitemap.xml. So if you just search for that, that should come up for you. Just grab that URL plug that into that relevant section there in Google Webmaster Tools and submit it. And essentially what that's doing is you are sending Google that sitemap instead of waiting for them to just find it and go through your website, which they will eventually do. What you're doing is you're just kind of preempting that and sending it to them straight away so that you're saying, hey, Google over here, please notice me. And so then they can sometimes go through it a little bit quicker and crawl your website a little bit faster because you've provided them with that information instead of waiting until they get to it themselves. So sometimes that can help speed up the process a little bit just you know knocking a couple of months off things sometimes we've seen you know good results with the clients that I've worked with by doing things like that but again that's not a guaranteed way of doing it a lot of times Google just is going to take however long that they want to take but it's just about being proactive isn't it yeah, as it you is. say like, you're just kind of saying hey look at me rather than waiting for things to happen for you exactly and it's one of those things as well that you know if you do something like that it's never going to do any harm to you so I would always just recommend doing it anyway because the worst that's going to happen is it takes Google however long they're going to take to do it which would have happened had you not submitted it in the first place exactly yeah I think that's a great point okay well I think we've covered a lot I think my brain hurts to be (laughs) honest um Holly, you obviously are a whiz at oh, SEO. <laughs> I can fully confirm it. <laughs> um, so I guess if you're happy, we can round it up. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. So um, for anybody that's listening, obviously Holly knows her stuff. She's an absolute pro. She is in the States, but, you know, we're recording this and I'm not supposed to be in bed right now. The sun is still <laughs> shining. So... If anybody would like to reach out to you for any SEO help or copywriting help, because you are a pro copywriter and I will be working with you very shortly because <laughs> I can't write to save my life. Um, where can people find you? Website, socials, all of that shebang. 
Yeah, so um, my website is hollylandis.com, super easy to remember. And then I am on all of the socials at Holly R. Landis. My middle name is Rebecca, so I'm throwing that in there as well. <laughs> someone else had already stolen just my name. So that oh, was no. uh, Yeah, that was annoying. But <laughs> the, the perils of getting married and changing your name. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, you can find me there. I'm mainly on Instagram, but I am on Twitter as well occasionally. So you can also find me over there. Cool, and I will add all of those links that Holly just mentioned to the show notes as well so that you can easily find them and click on them rather than go and search for them. But I guess from me, um, thank you so, so, so much, Holly. I think you have such a way with explaining things that it makes it really, really easy to understand and not overwhelming and not technical and all of that jazz. Thank you. So thank you so much for your time. You're incredibly knowledgeable and I'm honestly grateful for you coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on here. Cool. And I'll speak to you really soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.